Hej. Hej. <laughs> oh, we usually we usually shoot it a little bit and kind of then get after it, but oh. so don't awesome. matter. Yeah, I mean, Kyle, thank you for asking Lindsay. And Lindsay, thank you for coming on. This is awesome. Looking forward to kind of talking about everything, all things Lindsay, right? <laughs> cool. Well, thank you for the invite. It should be fun. Yeah, no problem. So Wait. I want to, well, welcome to the podcast. Dude, where's my NAR, right? We say that every time, whatever. Um, I have to ask, right? So a couple things. Owner and founder at Monkey Lube sales and rider at Reggie's bike shop. And this is, this is the cool one. Chemist blender sales <laughs> at prism lubricants. What an intro. Right. Well, I went to school for art, so I don't know that I would say I'm a full chemist. So that's somewhat, maybe not completely the truth, but I do do chemistry at work. We, uh, Prism Lubricants is a oil industrial oil manufacturing company. We do special blends for like stamping oils, hydraulic oils, hydraulic or motor oils for diesel trucks, uh, all kinds of stuff. Coolants for CNC machines. So that's what that is all about. And through that, that's my father's oil company that he started about 20 years ago. And through that is kind of how the monkey lube started. My dad coached our roller derby league for maybe just a couple of years, like two years, but saw me cleaning my bearings and was like, whoa, I have this stuff that would be awesome. I'm like, yeah, whatever, oil guy, we're good. You know, like I'm doing what they told me to do, but he was absolutely right. And it was kind of his little seed that got planted that I should think outside the box. Cause I didn't really want to share the special secret that made me faster, you know, <laughs> but it really did, you know, on my roller skates for roller derby. And uh, so that's kind of how that brainchild got started. It was a while ago, but so going to roller derby bouts and trying to share the monkey lube with skaters, you know, starting so small that, like, hey, can I come in your locker room? Like, I feel really weird. We're about to kick each other's ass, but can I give you some monkey lube? And there's some girls I've seen, like, years later, they're like, oh, I remember when you came in our locker room. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I was so scared that you guys were going to just, like, throw me in a toilet or something, you know? Like, who knows? <laughs> Roller derby can get kind of crazy. I can only imagine. And I love the fact that we've been talking for a little bit and haven't talked once about bikes. <laughs> I swear we'll tie this in to mountain biking like someday, but so what is monkey lube? Tell us about that. So monkey lube is a three in one cleaner, like CLP cleaner lubricant, rust protectant. Um, basically like a solvent based lubricant. So super, super thin, awesome for bike chains. We started manufacturing it for like, skate bearings. So anything bearing related, chain related, uh, rusty screw stuck in something, you know, you can put a little bit on, it's a penetrant oil, climb down there, eat away at the rust and help you, uh, alleviate rust pretty much. So yeah. 
Leave in a nutshell, that's basically that. <laughs> firearms for those who like those firearms stuff too. Yes, yeah, awesome. Huh? Awesome for gun cleaning, stops oxidation. So especially gun collectors. So I, I am a monkey lube. What do, what, do, what do you call it? Um, customer. I buy Grease monkey. <laughs> Yes, I'm a grease monkey. It's yes. uh, yeah, perfect. That's what I am. Um, so a while back, I know Kyle kind of touched base with you and you offered everyone in the Facebook group like a, a super cool discount and stuff. Was thank you for that. That was awesome. I right. I, yeah, I, with the discount code and I bought a couple uh bought a couple and I love it. It's awesome. It, it works great and and I got a couple stickers. You sent me some stickers. Anyone who sends me stickers, it's like I'm I'm a I'm a, I'm a grease monkey for life. Like <laughs> nice. I have some uh, new merch coming up too, and I'm I'm excited about. I think Chuck's printing right now as we speak. So all kinds of new stuff coming up for this year. Very cool. Possibly new products too. Thinking about uh, doing some sort of bike spray cleaner degreaser i mean monkey loop can be used as a degreaser but a soapier degreaser sometimes is awesome to like fully just clean everything off your drivetrain and your chain and then and then apply the monkey lube after that so i do a little bit of both throughout the season when i want to do like a full clean i'll use this degreaser and i'm thinking about um coming up with you know just figuring out a way to package that as well have you, you have you tried this product, or you're just still in the basic stages? I I have tried the product. Um, it is something that we already purchased for the other oil, like the oil company I work for. That I'm thinking about uh, packaging differently and reselling it. Oh, cool! Basically, like because it works great. I might have to give that a try because I'm also a monkey lube. Uh, right, I would be. Uh, I'm in the R and D. You know stages so having people try it out and let me know what they think would be fantastic at this point so cool cool go kyle (laughs) (laughs) boom i gotta try it yet i haven't uh haven't uh pulled the trigger but sounds like a cool product and i can see if you paired those two together have it like be like a little kit or something that'd be a a cool thing to, to to buy yeah i mean some of my, I guess you'd say major competitors, I mean, in the bike world, especially would be, you know, WD-40 bikes, you know, now that they have that whole bike line and then the um, muck-off bike line. So there's quite a f- and finish line. So like, those are like three major corporations, you know what I mean? And then here I am, like the side thing that, you know, I'm like the, the underground, underground lube. which is fine i'm I'm okay with that it's fun sometimes like uh during the Iceman one year it was probably 2014 so i had just started my business no one really knew but wd-40 was sponsoring the Iceman, and we're halfway in the ride and it's just crappy it was like the mud man year i think where it was awful and someone's like, where's WD-40 now? Like pissed off, you know, walking their bike up a hill. <laughs> and I ride by and I'm like, well, Monkey Lube's here. <laughs> you know, and he's like, what's that? And I yell out like our email, you know, 
our website address or whatever. So I don't know where I was going with that story, but yeah, those are some of the major competitors, I suppose. Sounds like Tommy and some uh, other groups. WMG. Got to do it, man. I do do that. I'll just scream out the name of the Facebook group and like a random <laughs> like in other groups hoping people like, oh, what's this? Let me check it out. <laughs> I think uh, he might have been he was pretty interested. I mean, but I wasn't going to necessarily stop and talk about it, which maybe I should have. But I mean, I'm in a race, so I'm just like yelling stuff at him. I don't know why. Maybe that's my thing. <laughs> <laughs> So what it was explain, um, elaborate on the Iceman for what is that? Uh, the Iceman is a point to point race in the upper lower of Michigan. So Traverse City, it goes from Kalkaska to Traverse City. And it's about 30, 35 miles. Um, some like gravel two track and some single track. And it's probably, it's one of the largest races I've been in where there's over like 5,000 participants. And so there's, I don't know, maybe 30, 40 waves of people. And then they run the pros in the afternoon. So the pros like come in later. Um, And still pass everyone. uh, I don't know. I didn't, hopefully I didn't get passed by a pro. I'm not really sure. But the year that it was the mud man, I would have to say that my time was like five hours. It took forever. It was awful. And then I went a couple of years later and did it again. And my time was like two and a half hours. Oh, wow. You like averagely that. normal for the amount of elevation and stuff. So it's called the Iceman because it always runs the first Saturday of November. And in the upper lower of Michigan, uh, that's a crapshoot as far as what the weather is going to be like. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. For those that don't know, like right around here, if this is the upper and the lower. <laughs> you guys can't see this, but everyone's doing weird hand gestures about like states in the middle of the country that I have no idea but what it means. It's a Midwestern thing, man. It's Come on. It's a mitten. <laughs> I'm over here in Boston, like, what's that mean? She's pointing to, like, her ring finger. Well, you can keep your superior time zone. We'll keep the mid. <laughs> Eastern standard time zone, baby. Eastern standard is is the way to go. Um, so, for everyone that doesn't know, we, we, like, do this thing. We record this thing, usually on Tuesday nights at 8.15 p.m. Eastern standard time. And it's always like this weird thing where it's like Tyler's in, in a different time zone. So we have to do math and stuff for him. <laughs> but now, now there's like a time zone battle going on where EST is best and Tyler says it's not. So, <laughs> yeah. What time yep. is it there? What time uh, is it for you? 7.30. So it's only an hour. Uh, no, no PM. PM. Yep. So it's only an hour, but like, I don't know when they throw out times, if they don't tell me the time zone, I'm like, I don't know where I am. <laughs> 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 I don't know where I need to be when. Yep. <laughs> so it's like, re- 
it's really weird. Now I, I'm like used to putting EST when in when talking about time just because of that one reason. So I'll do it with people in work and they're all from Massachusetts and they're probably like, you are why. (laughs) (laughs) So speaking of time zones and locations and stuff, uh, Lindsay, where are you from? Um, I'm, I'm pretty much from here, Toledo, Ohio, grew up in Swanton, Ohio, which is just like a half hour or so uh, west of here. So out in the country, and uh, yeah, pretty much stayed in Toledo. I mean, I travel around, but haven't really lived outside of Toledo. We're traveling. Where, where was? Where's the best place you ever rode your bike? Like outside of Ohio. One of my favorite trails outside of Ohio would have to be called the White Mesa in. Uh, New Mexico. It was an amazing spot. I want to say it's about at least the trail we did, maybe about 12 miles ish. Um, But there's definitely lines I didn't run where it looked like there were some major crazy drops, like super cool stuff that some of my friends would maybe do. But, (laughs) you know, I'm not quite there yet for those like awesome drops and stuff. I'm in it for the the climbing and the just scenery. Um, but yeah, that was a, it's an amazing trail. They have a spot on it called um, the dragon spine where you're like, you're just up riding this spine and like either side. I mean, if you crash either way, you would be tumbling down for quite some time, I think. So it's, it's a little nerve wracking the first time, but yeah, it's awesome. trying to think if there's another i've ridden in like flagstaff has a bunch of awesome trails i'm sure there's awesome trails everywhere um but i've visited a few of those recently um and then i've started hitting up some places in colorado nice i love the west um i haven't ridden a whole lot in new mexico but i did ride uh angel fire and that was really cool. And then um, some other trail that someone took me on. I don't remember where it was. It was outside of uh, Albuquerque. And it was just kind of like, well, let's get in the truck and go. And we shuttled it. And it was like 3,000 or 4,000 feet of descent. <laughs> and yeah. Did you, when you say you shuttled it, like, did you ride the tram up? Uh, no, no, we uh, we just had two vehicles, so I dropped oh, okay. my vehicle on the bottom, and then we just rode up to the top. It was some state, or uh, I think it was either a state forest or national forest. Um, nice. That was cool. Um, but yeah, I, I haven't rode Arizona yet. I've ridden in Colorado, but yeah. Gotta get out to Colorado myself. We're, yeah, uh, man. Aspen. Um, Trestle? Yeah, Trestle's, Trestle's at Winter Park. I want to get there. That place looks pretty good. Going back this year. <laughs> Is that in Colorado? Yep. I've ridden um, Laro the Bear, which is kind of like a eight mile climb. And then you just turn around and it's an eight mile descent. Um, and then I was in, a, uh, how come I can't think of the name of the town right now? It's like, has everything biking starts with a B. Bentonville. <laughs> What's that? 
What'd you say? No. Different state. I know. I know. But I have to throw it out. Boulder? Uh, no. I'm just going to say Boston? No. Hold on. I don't know why I want to be like Birkenstock, but hold on. I'll figure it out. But uh, Moab, too. I've ridden in Moab a little bit. So those are some of the outside of Toledo and Michigan, some of my favorite stuff. I got to ride in the desert for the first time this year. Um, it was pretty cool. It was I, I went on a Vegas trip for work and got to ride um, through the desert. I did like 13 miles on a rented heap of crap, full suspension mountain bike, but it was still awesome. And the there was... <laughs> There was, the guy pumped up the shock too much. And this is kind of funny. Sorry. I don't think I told you guys this. So he pumped up the shock, the the front, the fork too much, too much air pressure. I'm riding and it's, it's like rigid and I'm an idiot. So I'm like, Oh, I'll just take a little bit out. Right. And mind you, I'm on a rented bike with like no gear, a couple bottles of water in my backpack in the desert. And so I like just pressed the Presta, uh, the, the, the Schrader a little bit. And it was like no air, like instantly no air in it. And I was like, Oh, this sucks so bad. Sucks. <laughs> so I'm like, thankfully I was, <laughs> thankfully I was just like climbing and climbing and climbing. And there was this dude pretty far and and you could see forever. Right. So there's this dude way up in front of me and I get to him. And I'm like, you wouldn't buy a chance having to have a shock pump. He's like, I got a tire pump that like works on it. It's got a little hose. So he pumped me up right before like all the downhills. It was perfect. He saved my life. So whoever you are, that guy out there <laughs> outside of Las Vegas in Red Rock Canyon. Thank you. Nice. I've been up to Red Rock. So I go out to Vegas every year. I've, but I've ridden, uh, I didn't ride there that day and I don't remember why I took my bike and I decided not to ride. I think they had a section closed off or something. So I couldn't really get on the trail and didn't know it well enough to like find another spot to get on, I guess. Um, but I've ridden up like in the foothills of like Henderson around that area, which is kind of cool. Cause you kind of just like ride up and you can oversee all of Vegas. It's awesome. Oh. So to go up there, like even dusk, nighttime or whatever, and get a picture of all the lights, it looks really sweet. But the, I remember the guy, uh, the elevator guy kept telling me to go to ride Red Rocks there. Or what would you, Red River Canyon or whatnot? Yeah, I think it's Red Rock Canyon. I, yeah. um, I like found this bike tour place and they literally came with, with this sprinter van to the hotel, picked me up cruise out there that's and awesome it, it was definitely fun it was an experience and and i'm used to riding new england and it, it was just so different very cool breckenridge sense. colorado Boom. That's oh, what okay. i was trying to yeah. remember there's so many crazy trails around there and they have an awesome i didn't get to ride the pump track but there we had drove by some crazy pump track as I was like heading towards the mountains or whatever. So but you're talking about all this, all this crazy climbing. What I know 
Well, I, I'd say I know you like one point, like one and a half years, not one point. Sorry. I'm used to all this crazy reporting at work. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, I've known you for about a year and a half. And all I know is that Lindsay is a monster when it comes to doing some races, climbing, <laughs> as far as mileage goes. Why don't you tell us about a little bit about like, some of the races you've done, some of the big races? Um, a lot of the more distance type races started this past year. Um, for me, I mean, they've been going on a while, but I think I've slowly kind of climbed up to it where when I started racing, I was doing like the sport class on a grassroots like race or whatever. So you're averaging like 12 to maybe 20 miles. And then I moved up to like the um, elite class where you were doing a couple laps of every trail. So around 30 to 40 miles, a little bit more elevation. And then I uh, decided to try to do some of uh, Todd's races. The 906 Adventure Team race is uh, up in the Upper Peninsula. So I signed up for the Margie G sick and trained really hard for the 50 mile, which is more like 60 some miles, but the elevation is just like, it's out of control. You know, like you're looking at like 10,000 feet of elevation. Um, so I started training really hard. I mean, you can only train so much and we all have jobs and we have stuff to do, you know, and you think about it and how often can you get on your bike even and ride 60 miles? It's not like, every day I can do that. So I was taking weekends and really pushing it, doing double potos, triple potos, whatever I could do and fitting it in. And uh, so I've done the lumberjack 100 and finished that last year. And that was awesome. I look forward to doing it. Um, maybe when it's totally dry and doesn't pour down rain for 15 miles Cause that, or maybe it was more like 30 miles that it just poured down rain. I've never ridden in such a downpour. It was kind of actually awesome, but you couldn't really see, you know, and there just starts to be like a rivet where everyone's riding and you can't really get out of it. And it was just crazy. Um, and then that was like, you got to pass a dropped bag like three times or on your third time, you'd be finishing, but you get to pass it twice. So the first time passing it, there was no way I told this other, these people at this tent that, if, you know, if I get back here and it's raining like this still, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be done. We'll see how it goes. And I got back and it had just stopped raining right before I got back. So they're like, yeah, you're going, you know? And, and I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to definitely take 20 minutes to clean my drivetrain. Cause you know, you start to just crunch in, you know, you're just destroying your bike. So those races I've really started to enjoy because of that. You get to meet so many people like out on the race. I mean, you're out there forever. You can only like, ah, you know, gun it for so long. You're going to start talking to people and meeting people. And it's awesome. That's kind of why I've fallen in love with the longer races, I guess. <laughs> just like the camaraderie and getting to like talk to people and do stuff like that. But it's taken, uh, at least personally for me, it's taken quite a toll on my body, I think in the past couple of years. So 
I'm going to kind of chill a little bit this year and then get back at it. Chill. I won't really be chilling, but <laughs> maybe not really, you know, focus on those races per se. So I'll still be riding. So when you're, what's, what's your go-to bike? What's your race bike for, for those races? Uh, my go-to race bike is my truck top fuel. I like it a lot. I like uh, being able to dampen the suspension on that. So uh, for climbs and stuff, you know, I don't always have to have my suspension uh, all squishy or whatnot. So I have it pretty dialed in at this point. Is that the newest one that they kind of just re kind of redesigned there? So no, it's the one right before the one I have is the 2020 Nice. And I think they just revamped it to be almost more like a downhill bike. They really did make it kind of like a, like a, like an all mountain kind of geo. And it, I was surprised at that. Cause it's kind of always been more XC based. Yeah. Didn't they, they like brought the, the front out more or whatnot, like widened it, widened the wheelbase or something. I believe so. And I think they uh, put, put a uh, bigger travel on it as well, which again, kind of surprised me, but. Yeah. I've, uh, you know, thought about, really thought about upgrading to uh, uh, the Super Caliber. That's cool. But I really, really, really like the top fuel. So think i'm probably just gonna stick with that for a while what you uh, got any cool aftermarket stuff on there what you rocking on my bike yeah. aftermarket stuff i can't really say i've messed with a whole lot of stuff i did just put a new uh we got put a new cassette on it because my cassette was just destroyed craig had said that uh like i i noticed one of the teeth was missing off one of the um wheels or whatever but he said one of them was even cracked but that the whole like derailleur has over four thousand some miles on it so and in some really crappy stuff so i can see that i you know definitely done some damage but i haven't really changed a whole lot on it to be honest i did change uh it came with like a a grip not really a grip shift, but that's how you would dampen out your suspension. And I put like a lever there instead, um, just to make it easier on the fly. I was tired of trying to like grip it right while you're climbing. You don't want to be turning your wrist all weird. It just didn't make sense to me. So other than that, I haven't really changed a whole lot. Nice. Apparently I've been told maybe I should get a lighter, dropper seat post but maybe i'm not i'm not a big gearhead though you know i don't really like look in that deep into all that stuff i'm like oh sweet dropper seat post done you know like i don't look for the lightest one and sit there and weigh them on a scale and stuff you know but me (laughs) some people do yeah (laughs) yeah i don't like at all (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I keep putting heavier things on my bike, but I also don't like ride long distance like that either, but still. Right. Yeah. There's just people that give me crap all the time. Like, why don't you have this on there? I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I'm happy with it. Yeah. Good. Yeah. It's good. 
because I don't need it. <laughs> right. As you're yeah, yelling yeah. back to them. Monkey lube. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you say back there? <laughs> that's a, that's the secret, man. Just keep it monkey lubed and it'll last for forever. 4,000 miles through like just gravel in it, in the drivetrain. Monkey lube. Got it. <laughs> yep. Done. No problem. There you go. That case closed. <laughs> How? Uh, go ahead, Kyle. Sorry. No, you're fine. Uh, so you have the track. Uh, you got any other bikes? You just. Um, uh, I have a uh, truck. Farley 9.6. So my fat bike, love fat biking. I didn't really get to do it a whole lot this year. Like I had hoped, but, um, having the past and, uh, have a dirt jumper that I've been really enjoying the past couple years. Uh, had like a little, littler, it's still, you know, a, uh, cruiser type DK for a minute that I was racing at the BMX track just dabbling in BMX racing just to go out, hang out with people, have a good time and work on sprinting really. And then ended up, uh, Craig ended up building up this super cross for me. So I love the DK or the, uh, dirt jumper super cross I have. So I've been riding that a lot, but even going to raise, I would have to say raise mountain bike park in Cleveland. Uh, Maybe the first time I went there was about four years ago. So, I mean, all of it's pretty new to me as far as like that style of riding, I guess. You know, I was 100% mountain bike distance, throw me into the mountains kind of person. And now, like, I really enjoy the pump tracks and the, you know, I guess learning more skill that way, right? It's kind of what that's for. Mixing it up, man. That's how yeah. I feel like I've been progressing on the bike. And then I have a road bike for conditioning in the spring and like the crappy days when you can't be on the trails or whatever. And it's uh, on my trainer. So for winter indoor riding. And then I have a built up Schwinn banana seat <laughs> cruiser bike <laughs> with no brakes. That one's the best. <laughs> but I think that's it. Yeah, that's it. I'm I'm like vibing with your bike collection because I <laughs> I have I have a Fuel EX9, right? So it's it's like the little baby cousin of the top fuel, right? Like the cousins. Yeah. And then I have a Farley seven, um, my fat bike, which is like the little sister to your bike is the nine is just outrageous. Those things are so light. I, I don't even know how a fat bike can be that light. Yeah. And it has the like 27, five rims. So like the tires are just ginormous. It's a monster but, truck. Yeah. But I love it. I love it. <sighs> I like even like riding it on the paved trails and rolling up behind people and everyone's like, <laughs> Like, what is coming up behind me? You're like, yeah. Do you have have studded tires or just? I don't. I don't. I've thought about it, but no, I haven't done that yet. I I studded mine and now I feel like 
I don't know. They're awesome. Honestly, you can ride on like ice. It's just yeah. unreal. But the bike, surprisingly, the Farley, like it's really fun to ride. Climbs really good. Can like I've ridden, you know, I rode it the other day because uh, I'm waiting on my bike to get back. And it's it's just it's a good all around bike. And that's also what it's awesome for to have that backup bike that you can kind of ride whenever. Yep. I've thought about putting a Bluto fork on my Farley. I almost did it this year. And then I just, I didn't jump and do it. A lot of other stuff is taking my attention, but I might do that next year. I don't know. How do you feel about putting a suspension fork on your fat bike? So I have one. It came with a, um, God, why can't I think of it? Tyler, you know what it is. Is it a Manitou? Yes. Yes. (laughs) It's a Manitou. It's like, I think it's 80 mil travel. Okay, um, I've seen those. I yeah, was thinking it, between a Bluto or a Manitou. It's it's a great fork for sure. Um, and it, it definitely sucks stuff up. You can fully lock it out. There's like four positions, you know, dampening and then fully lock it out. Um, it's it. I mean, it eats stuff up for for. I mean, the tires alone are probably ten mil of travel. <laughs> like, right. Um, Do you feel like it added a bunch of weight to it at all, or not really? <laughs> I don't know because oh, it, it came, came on, on it. it. I, I heard they are pretty heavy forks. So, um, I mean, compared compared to what you have, my bike weighs like a, shit, a metric <laughs> ton. Compared <laughs> to the nine, that's all carbon. But um, I, I don't even care, honestly. The on it. <laughs> just, right, right. I mean, yeah. comfort is the key, I would think, you know. It's not like you're blasting super fast in the snow anyways. I mean, if you are like kudos to you, but I, you know, usually I'm like, Oh, like I love riding in the snow, but I can't wait for this snow to go away and like be able to go faster (laughs) on the dirt. You know, I am dying to ride my fuel. Honestly. Like, I feel like it's going to be like lightning getting on that thing after the Farley. Oh yeah. (sighs) we're all in the same boat i think we're all just sitting here like ah come on yep it's cool though the rain will bring flowers and shit, so it's fine i we're love flowers and <laughs> exactly we're <laughs> good not delicious no oh, jeez. so i mean we talked about, you know, a lot, a lot of the stuff that you've been doing kind of further in your career, like, or your journey, so to speak. How did it all start for you? Mountain biking. Man, that's a hard question. I don't really know. I just uh, started doing it. It was probably like me and my brother and my cousins, like they lived like in Waterville, went to Anthony Wayne. So I would ride my bike to their place. We were in a band together. So we'd rock out and then I'd ride my bike home and like Oak Openings is through there. So I probably started riding on Oak Openings trails, getting in trouble numerous times, having to pay fines because you're not supposed to ride on certain parts. But um, it was what it was. Every time I'd be like, you know, you should have mountain bike trails here. It's there's stuff to do in Michigan and you guys should do something, um, which eventually they did, which is awesome now that we have those trails here. But uh, 
So then I guess we started finding trails in Michigan when people started to be able to drive. So my brother could drive and take a couple bikes and my friend. So I remember riding some of the trails up there without a helmet. Like we were so stupid looking back at it, you know, like riding trails. My one friend was really good jumping trees, you know, no helmet. Luckily we all survived. Um, yeah, then I upgraded my bike later on. And I remember riding with my buddy who lived in Michigan. I didn't even know. I never really thought about racing or doing anything like that. And he was like, you know, you're really fast. You should race. And I'm like, is that a thing? <laughs> That's something that you can do. Like, where do you do that? So he was the one that first told me about Yankee Springs like their time trial they do. He said, start there. That's a really fun one. And it's one of my favorite races. I love the trail. It's in uh, like outside of Battle Creek, Michigan, kind of between Battle Creek and Grand Rapids. And uh, I've probably done that race every year since the year he told me I should do it. So I went out there and signed up as a beginner and got first place. I'm like, oh, sweet. That was super fun, you know? And that kind of just like, it was like hooked me. That was it. So that's what made me start doing it more. And then just riding with my friends. I mean, I learned so much. I had these little things that memory, you know, or little things that you can remember somebody telling you as you're riding, you know, like ride like you're racing, you know, when I'm practicing or attack the climb or do that, you know, you just have these little people telling you what to do as you're doing it, I guess. I do. <laughs> I have all these people yelling at me on the trail. I don't know. <laughs> Motivation to keep going. Yeah, it just snowballed from there, I guess. So I've just always liked it. So I have an observation to make, and I'll I'll just make a statement. You are a badass chick. So <laughs> I'm like you race bikes, you're in the mountain biking dirt jumping um i just heard you say you were in a band you're like a roller derby chick um like business owner you work at a bike shop you have like a following of grease monkeys right like their <laughs> own names um what else you're you know a pseudo chemist and mixer at like it, this is awesome like what a, what a cool story honestly like i'm i'm very impressed Nice. Thank you. <laughs> you make it sound really cool. It is really cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we chose to interview you. Yeah. yeah. So dope. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah, it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of work, actually, which is cool. I mean, that's kind of all I do, but it's fun. I make it fun. I try to stick with what I like to do, I guess, and somehow it's all kind of been relevant. I don't know. Thanks to my, my brilliant father, you know, I can't thank him enough for even his, for pushing me to do certain things that I really didn't necessarily, wasn't really interested in doing at the time, I guess. But That's still, awesome. still climbing, still trying to figure it all out though. You know, always changing. That never ends. Right. <laughs> exactly. What uh, what year is your fuel EX? Uh, 2021. 2021. Okay, so that's super new. What did you have before that? 
Nothing. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so. <laughs> nice. I feel like I get like pulled into this conversation every podcast. But, uh, <laughs> I'll say it again. Here we go. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. No, no. Um, no. <laughs> I I rode mountain bikes a lot when I was a kid, BMX. And again, like cool shout out to DK. I had a DK generally when I was a kid and thought I like young, you know, 12 or 13 and thought I was the coolest person in the world. Um, that was just the sickest dirt jumping BMX out there. I loved it. Um, but I, I did the BMX thing for a while, but I grew up in a small town in like Western Massachusetts and we all rode mountain bikes everywhere. Even like when we were old enough to drive, we, we just were in the woods and we were a bunch of like pot smoking hippie kids that just like to be in the woods on mountain bikes. And it was awesome. And, uh, you know, I, I, came out to Easter mass and just, you know, started a life, so to speak, a career, a family and all that stuff. And lived in town in Boston for a while and was lucky, new, lucky enough to move 20 minutes South of Boston and found out there was trails around me. And in like November, 2020 went and pulled the trigger on a stupid, awesome bike. And just like everything I do in my life and just dove in, head first like full on and i'm all about it like it's yeah yeah it's it's the best because it can go anywhere everywhere you go there's going to be an awesome trail somewhere you know in a way to it's a fun way to explore other cities you can get around faster than walking and whatever i don't know i've really enjoyed taking my bike with me all over the place and it's opened up a lot of stuff for me with like like I, I started golfing because people golfed at work and like I get to go out with clients and it's a six hour day, you know, like for me, like the adventure, the community, I love all that with mountain biking, but it's something that I I'm lucky enough to have a trailhead within 10 minutes of my house. Right. And rideable. And for me, I can get out of my hectic, crazy life and not feel guilty about not being around for the family. But, you know, right. like take six hours on a weekend is just for me. I just I'm like, ah, you know, I'm just away from my family, whatever. I can go for an hour and a half, two hours, two and a half hours, get an awesome workout in, do a bunch of climbing, have a bunch of fun, stop and smell the roses, watch a sunset. Like I was sending these guys sunset pics the other night of me on the trail and and come home and be a better person when I get home. Absolutely. It is nice having, it's super nice having a trail within riding distance from your house. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. I have one too. It's not like the greatest trail in the world or anything, but it's still a trail you can ride, you know, and it's awesome having that right there. Talking about Jermaine Park. (laughs) I'm not trying to down talk Jermaine. I mean, it's a great trail, but not... they're supposed to be doing some work to it or something supposedly, but I don't, I'm not too, entirely too sure if that's totally too, if it's totally true or not, but. Yeah. They've already uh, started some new lines on hospital Hill. Basically you can see it from the original line. That's like right up on the top part. I mean, they're, they're bringing the trail down a little bit. I don't know if that's like, if they're bringing it down or bringing the down section up the Hill, I think is what they're doing. So that you're not riding in the low section so that hopefully it dries out faster or whatnot. 
I'm not sure. I think April 2nd, they're doing a building day, so. Okay. They'll, they'll always have problems, unfortunately, with that river being going through, going through there, you know? Right. I mean, it floods all the There's time. There's still other areas that are just going to be, that can be great. Like, I've learned so much going through there. I had so much fun. Yeah. It's I a cool trail. Feel, I like having it right there. I love flowing through there, you know? You get a little bit of elevation because you're, you're, it's just like this little chunk of land that just goes down, down into a river. And not many areas are like that in Toledo. Right. About an hour to two hours, you know? So I have to ask, is that uh, Hospital Hill because everyone dies or because hospital is <laughs> right there? <laughs> uh, I don't even know if anyone else calls it Hospital Hill, but... I call it Hospital Hill because it's like the hill next to the hospital, which conveniently there is a hospital there. And I have had to take somebody across the street to the hospital before. So, you know. Perfect spot. Right. Yeah. Literally, you can just like, I'll show you guys sometimes, send a picture. Like you can look straight up and see like the top of the hospital. It's the biggest hospital in the region. And ride right past it it makes me wonder if like there's people up there sometimes watching us go by and they're like oh, oh yeah what are they doing yeah and, and they catch that bug eventually you know i'm sure i know people that walk on that uh paved trail have been like doing oh, yeah, takes sometimes when you're just zooming right by <laughs> oh yeah like i didn't even know that was there Okay, well, then stop throwing your glass down here. I played golf (laughs) at that golf course for years, and I had no idea that trail was there. Actually, I did. I thought it was a walking trail. Oh, at Ottawa Park? Just on the Ottawa side, yeah. There's two sides of this trail. There's Ottawa and then a Germain, and there's two parks that are technically adjacent to each other. Um, And then they just connect basically underneath a viaduct, which is this gnarly rock garden right there um <laughs> I've, I've seen my girlfriend whitney just oh my god i thought she was gonna bust her knee completely open <laughs> horrible abrasion from it uh it, it's a it's a crazy rock i wouldn't even call it a rock garden it's a some no it's like a concrete drop off it's where they yeah. throw the concrete that they tear out of the road probably so uh, Toledo. <laughs> right Toledo <laughs> slip rock Toledo <laughs> junk <laughs> we don't chunk that's what we call it yeah yep man i've been to slick rock though now when you said that i unfortunately have not ridden a whole lot of it though it's an interesting uh trail yeah have you, have you been out there before yeah i rode it uh, a couple of years ago um like it was fun, like really hard for me. It was like the first year I had my, my full suspension bike. Uh, the biggest thing that was like crazy to me was just when you go down, you slow down so much at the bottom because of all that resistance. So then that next hill, I'm like, oh, crap. No, well, I got to I got to walk now again. <laughs> but um, yeah, I I. There's this, I have this memory there, um, a couple of memories. So I guess I'll talk about both. Uh, one, um, I was like 10 and my, my dad 
pulled me on a pull behind on Slick Rock. So like one of those uh, like one wheel like pull behind things that attaches to the seat post. So I'm just like helping them pedal up the hill and all this stuff. So like that was my 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 earliest like memory of that place. And then I went back to ride a bit myself. And um through the first section, you get through like uh it's like a little like sandbar area, and there's just like a really super stupid steep climb. It's like straight up. And um so I just I walked it because I was like, I don't even have speed. I, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to ride this yet. And there was this guy, he was like dressed in like all 80s clothes like 80s colors his bike was all 80s he gets to the top he looks at me he's just like just gotta catch the right gear man and he just <laughs> flies past me it was the best thing ever guys my hero i don't know who the hell he is but yeah <laughs> you're out there Good that times. reminds me of being on the pato one time like early in my pato days where i was like angry at the pato you know it was hard first couple times doing it and I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm probably about to puke, right? Like on one of the biggest climbs at the end and I'm stopped and I'm pulled off the side. I'm overheating. I'm dying. And then there's this 60 year old couple on a tandem bike ripping right by me. And they're like, hello. And they just go right up the hill. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? You know, these like people are just ripping it and shredding it out here on this tandem mountain bike. And I'm like dying on this climb. So... Yeah, that stuff will, that stuff sticks. Oh, yeah. Makes yep. you a better rider when you're like, what? Okay, next time, I got this. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to have to go back. <laughs> <laughs> when I was at Slick Rock, I remember, like, I didn't do the whole trail because it, it gives you this warning that, hey, it's going to take you four hours to finish this trail. They kind of tell you that at the the main board if you do the whole thing. And the first thing you did was you dropped off like a rock straight down and back up another rock. And I was like, I don't know if I can do that. And if it's going to be like that, the whole trail, like it might take me six hours, you know? Yep. And I have no idea. I just figured if I'm doing it by myself, I probably should just go choose another trail to do that. I was a little bit more familiar with than to be somewhere like random by myself. But I look forward to, uh, definitely riding that trail sometime i rode yeah. other trails in moab around there but yeah i rode some other stuff um i didn't i had a shuttle lined up last august to do the whole enchilada um but it got rained out so i might have to try to get one again but they were telling me that like august is kind of a difficult time could still hot so you got to wait until either fall or try to hit it as soon as the, all the snow goes away in spring. So I might have to plan a, a different time of year yeah. to go just to get people to go with. Cause, um, the day of the week, um, I picked w would have been great, but they didn't have anybody else to go. So they weren't going to take me. Um, and there was a fire up there, so they would have had to right. start me lower down in the mountain as well. So it was just kind of a whirlwind of things that it just wasn't meant to be that time around so yeah hopefully sometimes right soon. yeah i definitely uh i've been out there a few times and the best advice i got last time was at this restaurant the guy was like you know get up super early 
and get on your bike with a light before the sun comes up. And that's the best time to ride before. Cause I'm usually out there at the end of July, beginning of August. It's awful. Yeah. It's so hot, you know? Yep. So, and I was like, Oh, that's great. And then you have the rest of the day to go like tootle around and go swimming and whatever, you know, like it was perfect. Perfect time to like, and then you get to watch the sun come up and then, it takes a while for the sun to actually start coming down on you where you don't have some sort of shade. So gives you a couple solid hours of riding. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I just drove on some BLM land and just parked my car and that's while I was sleeping. So I just nice. get up as soon as the light would come up. Cause I didn't really keep shades on my, my windows or anything. And then just start riding. It's awesome. Um, but yeah, if you're ever out in Utah again, I would definitely, like go the Virgin and go the St. George. There's a lot of great riding over there too. Um, that isn't as okay. public. Like it's not like as far as um, publicity goes, I guess, but there's some really sweet stuff over there yeah. the, on the um, West side of Utah. Okay. Um, I rode, what was it? What trail was that? Um, it's called the uh, gem trail. It's uh, J E M. Um, it's near hurricane. Um, so like near Virgin, Utah. And basically, um, it's a one way trail. It's all downhill for like six miles. Um, you have to kind of navigate kind of a sketchy, like cliff side with some switchbacks, but everything after that, you just fly and you're just on like the cliff side of the Virgin river. Um, for a good two or three miles and it, it, it's pretty special it's, it's cool trail nice yeah so sad i've never experienced anything like that yeah i really need to get out west we should uh, Hear, like sometime, like we all just need to oh, just man. i don't know one person picks up the other person <laughs> on the way <laughs> we just go like a yearly a yearly get together and we just pick a spot like yeah Lindsay, do you do you travel out there like yearly or is it like a trip you do or what's the deal with that? Sounds like you've been a few times. Yeah. Um, in 2013, I drove out there the first time for RollerCon. Actually, no, 2014. 2013 was my first RollerCon that I went to in Vegas, which is a five day roller derby convention. So I'm in Vegas for five days and working for monkey lube but when i'm not working i'm not a big gambler or a big drinker so i usually take my bike and go ride but that first year i flew out there so i didn't really get to do that but the second year i drove so from 2014 15 16 17 18 and 19 so for six years straight i drove out there and drove back for this convention so on the way out there, I always stop in New Mexico. I have a friend that lives there. I have a friend in Flagstaff. I would go to this place called Telephone Cove, which is a really cool uh, underground type watering hole, like kind of uh, on your way between Flagstaff and Vegas. Um, awesome place to go swimming and just like chill. And on my way back, I would always stop in Utah, Colorado, got to visit Salt Lake City one time um, and just like travel around. So I've 
looked up a lot of places on my way. And then like from talking to people, like right now I'm writing all the stuff that he's saying to maybe check out these trails on my way back this year. I know I'll be stopping in Dillian, Colorado to visit the Cove bike and ski shop out there. They uh, are a reseller of monkey lube and the guy's actually from Toledo as well, which is awesome. So I'm going to stop there and hopefully ride with him and some people and uh, I'm sure talk all things lube and have a good time and, you know, see some new trails and, that's always the best too. Like knowing somebody that knows the trails already, you can just go and ride and follow people and you get to really experience it where you're not like, sometimes I'll run my Strava and have a map. So if I get lost, I can like look at the two together and figure out like where I got lost. So it's nice to have a guide because <laughs> I've done it both ways where I'm, it's like, oh, it's getting really dark and I've just been going down. I feel like I need to start going up this mountain sooner or else I'm going to be stuck out here, you know? That happened in Flagstaff and like, and I was right. I got off the trail and I was on the Arizona trail. So if I would have stayed on that, I would have just kept going north and I had to figure out where my line was, but never a dull moment. Always fun for sure. Venture. But yeah, I've, uh, so in 2020, they didn't do RollerCon, nor did they do it last year because there was still no contact sports last year. So a lot of teams are just now starting to compete again, like internally in their league. So there's not like um, big whiffed abouts, which is like basically like Texas isn't bouting, you know, Arizona or whatever, but Arizona's five teams are competing against each other right now so like by the time roller con happens hopefully everything's back to more normal i guess you know i'm hoping they have a good turnout i guess is what i'm getting at because people want to go out there and compete too and skate not you know so yeah so that's why i go out there all the time that's, that's great perfect so, reason yeah i know i i know you know, this is a mountain biking podcast, but like, you gotta tell us more about like roller derby and what it's like to be at a just roller derby convention in Vegas. That just sounds <laughs> <off> the, <laughs> uh, the roller derby convention in Vegas is something that you can almost not even put into words. Like way better than a concrete convention in Vegas. <laughs> I mean, oh, I'm sure. Well, you know, the funny thing too is that there's people that come through since I'm a vendor, I'm in we are usually now at the Westgate uh hotel, and all of the vendors are in the hotel and the banquet halls and stuff. You know, it's all open and everything's set up with like rows. So we're right next to the Las Vegas Convention Center. Some things are in the convention center, but most things are in the Westgate. But a lot of people that are at the convention center for other things are walking through the Westgate all the time. And I've never seen more business people just like their eyes are like, what in the hell? You know what I mean? And the one time these people had these name tags and it said Styles. And I was like, what is Styles? You know, that's my last name. And I just wanted to ask this guy a question and like, he's practically like running away from me. And I'm like, wait, no, I just have a question. You know, I'm not going to sell you anything like, but they, 
it's interesting. We've had people come and give us passes to their convention so we could come walk through some of their stuff. You know, it's a, it's a fun time. So roller derby as well. I mean, you have the best skaters in the world there. It's, it's amazing to watch. There's a, also a lot of the men's teams go out there. So the USA men's team is there a lot of times. Uh, a lot of the USA women's team is there because um, they're all split up off different teams anyways for the most part. But it's been uh, fun to go back every year as you get to know people too. I mean, you just like your pool of people just gets larger and larger um, I know my parents went out there with me to help vend maybe the first year and they, they were blown away. They were like, you know, this is the most amount of tattooed people I've ever seen in one group ever, you know, like there's just tattoos everywhere. You go to the pool and it's just like, you know, it's a good time. It's a party. <laughs> that sounds and, great. And there's yeah. a masseuse there. Oh. <laughs> so that makes it even better. Exactly. Do people get like lit and roller uh roller skate around the hotel, the Westgate? Is that it? Uh, I'm yes. sure like even if they don't tell me yes. Stuff, that's a possibility, but during like the day and stuff, that would be highly frowned upon, I'm sure. If you're going to get lit, you don't put your skates on. You know what I mean? And definitely don't yeah. go compete. But I'm sure people do. There's also, <laughs> like, at the roller con, there's also, like, uh, skate park tours where they'll take skaters around to all the different skate parks in Vegas and teach them how to skate at skate parks. And they also started building ramps and stuff in the convention center so you can take classes inside there with different like half pipes and stuff like that. So it's kind of like a all around there's skaters from everywhere. So it, it is not just roller derby. There's like moxie skaters and people that just do tricks and then just people that want to go skate the strip at night and people like me that are just there to vend. Like I used to compete, but I don't anymore. So I'm happy just to go there and take my bike, you know, but uh, it's wild. Huge array of people. Vegas. Right? Let's say I can't believe they don't just like shut down the strip and y'all just go skating down the strip. They, I mean, every night they have an open skate where people can skate down the strip. Back in the day when RollerCon started, they did close off a section, I want to say of Fremont Street. So they used to do the bouts and stuff at Fremont Street. But the problem is it just got so huge so fast. I mean, uh, the first two years, I think I was out there, uh, we were at the Riviera. And recently they knocked the Riviera down. So that is no longer. And it was around that time that they moved it to the Westgate Convention Center or the Westgate, which was attached to the convention center. So one year we were like in the convention center vending. And then by the next year, most of the stuff was in the Westgate. So it just took them a couple of years to figure out how to build everything 
because they set up the tracks and everything. They bring in so much wood and so much like material to put all these tracks down. There's probably, I want to say three major compet competitor tracks, a scrimmage track that's always open, like three practice tracks, you know, some other, I mean, there's like probably 10 tracks that they build. It takes like almost a whole week for them to even put it all together to have the convention. Wow. It's amazing. It's awesome. I don't and I can't remember people. the number of people, but it's a lot of, it's a lot of people that come out thousands of people, well over 5,000 people, I'm sure. But it's cool too. Just imagine well over 5,000 mountain bikers all together. Yeah. I mean, it's like yes. all these people that love the same thing. It's so much fun. You know, you can talk about your thing like the whole time, you know, it's really cool. I'd have to say though, like I go there, I'm mainly working. And by the end of the convention, I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. You know, because I've said it so many times in a row that I'll look at my friend and be like, did I already say the last part? Like, I don't remember, you know, like everyone's just like brain fried from like just talking the whole time. But it's it's a good time. I need to make a video. Maybe yeah. that's the key. That'd be, yeah, that'd be, cool. that'd be awesome. I, yeah. So yeah. I don't. I can see what you're saying because I've gone for the construction thing a couple years now. This year was was great. It was a good time and stuff. But I walking around daily in there. I we would go for like four four hours at the convention, four or five hours, try to check everything out. Um, but these people were there from basically like you know sun up to sundown and just doing their thing, just like I'm assuming you guys do. Yep. I remember like vividly thinking, oh man, I don't think I could do that all day. That just, it just a lot of work. It is. It is a lot of work. Like, I don't know that a lot of people get it really, you know, like we're vending 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. was our hours that we set for ourselves. Luckily, like, I want to say it was 2014. I set up my own table and like, my parents didn't go out there with me. So it was just me by myself. And I was next to a couple and they sell skate laces and it was something they manufactured and like a thing that they came up with and, uh, became super good friends with them. And by that next year and every year after we've shared a table, which has been awesome. So I do, uh, I know a lot about their products. They know about my product we support each other. And then that makes like three of us <laughs> that are running our table together, you know, and we just share like my square and we just roll with it and figure out at the end of the convention, you know, who owes what and whatever, have a good time. So it helps like with breaks and whatever, but it's a good time. I mean, we dance a lot and run around to other people's tables and create chaos maybe that's just us but <laughs> maybe not everyone's doing that but that's what i like to do that's what keeps it fun so is is roller derby um predominantly female or i i know you know obviously men and women do it but it what is it more women or more men that do it? <clears throat> it's a good question 
Uh, I would say probably more women do it. The Women's Flat Track Derby Association definitely has more teams involved than the men's leagues. Um, the men's leagues are open for female skaters, but the female league is closed for men's skaters. And there's definitely a faded line in between if you're taking so many hormones or whatever that I don't really know exactly, but I know that there are exceptions, but you have to be under some guidelines or whatever, but um, definitely probably more women leagues right now. Gotcha. I know like I, I've tried for a while to start a men's league here in Toledo and I just couldn't get enough people, uh, men that could skate interested to develop the league. I couldn't even get, you know, six people. So it's, it's hard. Detroit has a team though. And so does Cleveland, but they have a men's team, you know, where Detroit has 10 women's teams. And then out of those 10 teams, they form the WIFTA travel team, you know, like the best skate, the best of the best are your travel team or people that can, you know, if they choose to try out, I guess. So I guess kind of the reason I ask is it sounds like almost the opposite of mountain biking where, you know, I, I wouldn't say predominantly, but it seems like it's, you know, there's more men in the sport. Um, and I, I'm curious, like, as far as mountain biking goes, how is it for you to be a female in the sport? Cause I have obviously no idea, but like, how, you know, what's it like to be a female mountain biker? Uh, I don't know. I guess I've done it for so long. I haven't really thought about it, but I know that uh, starting to work at Reggie's and things like that, one of the main reasons was to get more women on bikes. You know what I mean? So I've definitely done my part and continue to do my part. I've gotten many of my friends like hooked and, you know, you know, they're hooked when they have three bikes, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> They're yeah. totally hooked. They got the, the mountain bike, the dirt jumper now or whatever, you know? Um, so I've definitely seen, I've seen that grow and have watched it grow, which is awesome. So even like the, some of the races I do, um, it's fun to watch the stats change. So like uh, Todd Poquette, the guy that puts on the 906 adventure races, it's really fun to watch him list the percentages and he tries to get more women to ride where he's like, okay, we're capping this race off at, you know, 600 riders. And then bam, you know, it's sold out already. But when women go to register, at least for a couple of times, I don't know if he still does this, but he would let them in the race. He was trying to broaden that gap, I guess, you know, or, or sh small, you know, shorten the gap, I guess is what you want to say, not broaden it, but you know what I mean? Yep. So I've definitely seen that change over time. Um, even just having ridden for so long, like the trails are definitely more packed than they've ever been, to be honest. And seeing it in races too, like the races are getting better numbers, more women racing. Um, 
a lot of races this year too, like the women's uh, women are being paid out equally to men now, which is awesome. So that might even bring more interest to some hard to say, you know what I mean? Um, it definitely made me pretty stoked the one year that, you know, if I got first place, like my entry fee was paid for her. That was awesome. You know, I don't mind the entry fees and whatnot. I know it all goes right back into the trail, into each trail system, you know, and it's fun to like travel around and like ride all the trails and know that you're contributing that way. At least if you don't live there and you can't maintain, you can at least like help fund, you know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm stoked about being a woman rider. That's for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> it's awesome. I think, you know, anyone that does it, any friends I know or women that have gotten into it, I mean, you're pretty much hooked. I mean, it's hard not to like it unless you really, I mean, there's gotta be some kind of trail for you, you know, it doesn't have to be the hardest trail. If you don't like to climb, there's something for everybody, which is what I like. So I know in our community, the women are pretty tight knit and it's awesome to see. And, and, you know, I'm part of a nonprofit, um, mountain biking advocacy group, um, New England mountain biking association. And we're always trying to get more women out on bikes. Um, just like you said, they get hooked, you know, and it's just really cool to see and, and uh, not for nothing. And for my guy friends out here, don't take offense. Like, I have more fun riding with women. They're just, you know, they're just so happy out there. It, it's just, you know, and it's because we remember snacks. <laughs> we bring all the snacks for all you crazy you guys wrong. if you're hungry. Dude, I forgot my whole entire lunch on Sunday. So, yeah. <laughs> just saying. I mean, I don't know exactly, but <laughs> so it's it's funny you said that because there's this one there's this one uh, woman and she's she's a mom and she's like yeah you know we we always have the best snacks like she's, she's always she always comes packing with like the best trail snacks. <laughs> hey man, it makes everybody happy. <laughs> Yeah, I love uh, I love seeing more people getting on bikes. Well, and and with that too, like, so I've started coaching um, a new league. Well, me, it's new to us here in Toledo. We have a new Nika league here in Toledo, but um, I think Nika's been around for quite a few years, like all over the United States. But um, that has been awesome to watch more kids get on bikes. And to be part of something that's growing in Toledo, once again, starting like something new has been really exciting. Like when, you know, when I started skating roller derby, we built the league. That was exciting. We went from selling brownies. You know what I mean? None of us knew anything about roller derby. So I feel like that's kind of where these kids are. They're like, oh, there's another sport I can participate in. That's not basketball and football and, you know, stuff that maybe they're not interested in. You know, and it's taking them on a whole different adventure and their parents are just like, wow, there's this thing they can do everywhere, you know, and uh, it's pretty cool. Even to see the parents get on the bikes with the kids then. Now you got the whole family out there trying something new, you know, like it's really starting to just like grow exponentially for sure. Especially the past three years, I'd have to say. 
going back to 2020, right? Like that was insane. Yeah. Yeah. All the yeah. bike shops just like selling out of bikes. I mean, just think of how many new riders started just because they had maybe nothing else to do, you know? That's yeah. awesome too. Just like a whole other group of people. I ordered my bike right before all that happened. And then everything went sold out. I got so lucky. <laughs> nice. But, yeah. <laughs> like I think I ordered in March of that year and I got mine in April and then everything sold out. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. Yeah. You were like right on the verge, man. So lucky. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. I got my 2020 top fuel, but I want to say that like I ordered it fall of the year before and got it like that August or whatever, just because going through like the truck school or whatever, like I kind of have like dibs on like new bikes coming out, I think. So I was able to like order it pretty quick. So it came in and I'm all stoked. And then like, you know, everything starts crashing and it was like, what, what is going on? You know? <laughs> and yeah. you know, friends ordered bikes around that time that are still waiting. Actually. I think one of my friends, his bike is supposed to come like this month or whatever. And I'm like, dude, don't worry about it. Like, you haven't really been able to ride anyways. You know, like, I know it's been like two years, but <laughs> <laughs> I swear it's almost here. I swear it's coming. <laughs> uh, man. Yeah, I can't. I feel bad for those people who, who just have to wait. So how during that time and up till now working in a bike shop, has that been insane? Um, it's definitely been crazy there. I am not there at the bike shop very often. I mainly do group rides for the bike shop and do outside sales and whatnot. Um, make sure that I'm racing on their bikes and using their equipment and able to talk to people about it and stuff like that. Um, so I'm more of like a like outside sales kind of person, I guess. But I keep up with like all of Truck's new bikes and stuff. You know, I keep up with my, uh, used to be called Ninja Status, which was cool. Now like I'm a guide, a truck guide. So you keep up with like all the new bikes coming out and you have so many points you have to accumulate to be like a truck guide or whatever. Um, so I keep up with all of that stuff so I know what's coming out. But it has definitely been crazy with like even down to parts, tubes. It's ridiculous. I mean, okay, so through Monkey Lube, I sell to a bunch of different bike shops. So I hear from all over the place. You know, there's people from Michigan coming to Ohio, people from Ohio going to Michigan to buy tubes, people from, you know, people are traveling all over for just random whatever they can find. They'll just go get it another state over or whatever, you know, like the... Some of the bike shops are complaining that they used to, you know, the beginning of the year buy a hundred tubes. So they just had them in stock. Well, they can only have five of each size right now because everyone needs tubes, but they only have so many. So they, they are limiting all the shops to what they can actually carry or whatever. So, you know, same with everything, I guess, you know, supply and demand and shipping has been, definitely affected a lot of stuff there. So 
being, I guess uh, I'm intrigued by this stuff because it, it's just, I don't know. It, it's intriguing. The whole dynamic of what's happened and, and whatnot. So you're in outside sales. How, how was that? Right. Like selling stuff you really don't have. Right. Uh, again, obviously you're not selling stuff you don't have, but what, what effect did that have on your position? Oh, uh, I didn't have a whole lot of races to go to. RollerCon was canceled. Like, so actually I did a lot more group rides and stuff. Nice. So really, you know what I mean? There were new people on bikes. So I was able to take new people to different trails in the area. And I would say I did a lot of group rides that year. So it was cool for me. I mean, I was busy riding my bike, really. You know what I mean? Um, I think like every two weeks I see something for a, a ride with you in the past. Yeah, I was weeks. doing like a weekly Jermaine ride and then throwing in some heritage ones and then maybe going up to DTE that year a couple times. And uh definitely good turnouts too as well. Yeah. At least the one that I only showed up to one, but from what you've told me, it sounds like great turnouts as well. Oh at Jermaine, you came to Jermaine that time. Mm-hmm. I feel like I was on my dirt jumper that time for some reason. Uh, yeah, I think you were. Cause my other buddy was going to bring his, I'm like, dude, if you, he's like, well, I don't want to ride, forget it. I'm not going. I'm like, dude, if you go, I'll ride mine too. And it was like awful, but fun, but like awful as far as it was slippery and our tires are kind of slick. So like, you know, it was challenging, I guess I should say a little bit more challenging. I remember, uh, there was those kids on cruisers that came out the, uh, Oh, the Wheelies Parkway kids. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, dude. We were just cruising. <laughs> and like you said, it was it was loose. It was loose. And he must have been like a good foot in front of me. And it was like a probably about 85 degrees left. And there was a route right there. And he went to go turn. And he just washed out and flew over the bars, narrowly missing this tree. And I just remember, just, I don't even know how I got past him. <laughs> these guys i think this kid crashed like two or three times within 15 minutes and, and i'm pretty sure he just gave up but yeah yeah they all took off after a little bit it, oh, it i felt crazy. bad everyone was like what if i gave you helmets would you give them helmets i'm like yeah they need helmets they they ride around my street all the time and they're called, well, I call them the wheelies parkway kids. Cause they, they ride around, they just do wheelies all the way down my road all the time and through the park. I mean, that's like all they do. They're awesome. They're always like, come on, Lindsay, go get your other bike. You can do it. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I wish I could do it. I'm trying. I go out there. I try to pull a wheelie. I can't, I can't really manual or do that kind of thing. I wish I could. You make up for all the crazy races and long mileage and and countless hours you put into a monkey lube and and, uh, painting grease monkeys. It's cool. I figure at at some age, like you just like chalk it up as like, it's cool. It's one thing I can't do. Like I'm good with that. (laughs) I'm going to stick with, I'm going to stick with what I know. I don't know that I'll ever be able to like manual per se or pull a wheelie. It's hard to say. Maybe. Never say never. 20 minutes <laughs> a day and you got it. Right. I don't know. People <laughs> are building these like wheelie 
boxes or whatever so you can pull up and then not fall over. Maybe that's what I need. I just need more practice, right? That's it. This year, wheelie. 2022, man. Wheelie year. I think you need a unicycle. (laughs) (laughs) Unicycle. Back to the, you you didn't buy one yet, right? (laughs) I didn't. (laughs) I can't find one. I don't want to spend like a bunch of money on a, on a unicycle and I can't find like a decent used one. Who would have thought? Right, that they're yeah. so hard to find. <laughs> I might That's crazy. have a connection for you. I've never ridden a unicycle. Have you been on one? Yeah, when I was younger, and it keeps popping up. I just brought it up this time, so I'll take credit for that. But <laughs> like, it it's come up a couple times, and even came up in a conversation with my buddies like a year ago, and they didn't believe that I could ride one. And it's been like this thing where I'm trying to source a cheap unicycle. So if anyone is listening that that has one um, fairly cheap, I'm not trying to get like something crazy, but just to post a rad video of me doing fun stuff on a unicycle. (laughs) (laughs) Gonna happen. Just message my friend. She she went from a unicycle. Now she has like a, I don't even know what it is. It's some e-unicycle and, it's so crazy. She has to wear a, a full face that she's really stepping up in the unicycle world. So, um, if I can get that unicycle for you, that'd be cool. Yeah, because <laughs> I got to see this, and so do plenty of others. It's it's on. It's gonna happen this year. <laughs> kind of reminds me of this kid that, like, when I like the one time I lived on campus for the one one of the schools i went to <laughs> um there's this guy who lived across the hall and it was this this jewish guy that had this like like super like curly red fro <laughs> and he always wore his yarmulke but and then he just rip around in his unicycle i thought he was the coolest dude ever he just ride <laughs> into all of his class in the unicycle just hair everywhere yeah <laughs> that's every time i think of a unicycle i think of that guy have you ever seen the unicycle rider at Ray's Mountain Bike Park? Oh, uh, there's, is it a, is it a, I think there, I've seen a husband and wife there, but I've never seen just a single rider. Yeah, it might've been that maybe it was a husband and wife. I think I was with you that day. That could be. Yeah. yeah I think so. Yeah. 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 I had seen them a couple times, so I didn't know if you, I couldn't remember if you were there one of those times, but yeah, that's crazy. Dude. I think we actually talked about this on a podcast on uh, uh, two podcasts ago, actually, uh, with Jimmy. Yeah, unicycles. I, I'm pretty sure we talked about that. Yep, we brought it up with Mick. It's gonna. So going forward, <laughs> the unicycles will be brought up at least once in in podcasts. Well, at least until I ride one and, and video it. We should build a unicycle community. I don't even know where you find a unicycle. Is there a unicycle store? So they have like thousand dollar unicycles that are like like fat tire bike like trail unicycles that apparently people just totally shred. Um, but I won't lie, I've been on Facebook Marketplace and I can't I, I just can't source the right one. I'm yeah. with like, you know, it's gotta be the right size and 
you know, not look like it's been sitting in a basement or outside for three years, which is what I've seen thus far. So, so they're not all the same size. No, no. And, and actually I was looking on Amazon to try and get one. And then I went down the rabbit hole again. I'm not a unicyclist. I, I rode one when I was a kid, like 10 times, but <laughs> like I just went down the rabbit hole and realized that there's like 16 inch, 20 inch, 24 inch. And then like you, the seat post, it's just like a bike, right? You need the right size huh. frame. Same Robert. thing. So I'm six one. So apparently I need a 24 inch unicycle and yeah, that's, that's that. Yeah, this girl is very short, so that unicycle might not work for you, my man. It'll be like a BMX. I'm, I'm, I'm down. <laughs> that works then. But um, I mean, what else? What else do we have to talk about, Lindsay? Anything? It's like any um, burning desires to just tell the world about? <laughs> uh. I don't know. I think I, I think I've told the world everything that I know at the moment. I don't know. Uh, new Monkey Lube merch coming up soon, which is I'm super excited about. I really am, honestly. Printing kind of off-center type stuff. Just really cool stuff. And uh, I don't know. I'm busy building Monkey Lube systems for skate bearings and just getting ready for RollerCon in July. So kind of prepping for that and waiting for trails to dry patiently. I would, I would love it if you would send us some pictures of RollerCon, like, so we can post in the group. Sure. I know it's, it's not mountain biking related, but after talking about it, I definitely just want to visualize what, what it's all about. It just sounds cool. Oh yeah. yeah. I can send you some good pics. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I can't really think of anything else except the thank you guys again, for we, sure. That was really cool. We do have one more question. Okay. Yeah, it's a burning question that we ask everyone. Um, <laughs> it's basically, it's just, why do you ride mountain bikes? And just like a summary of why. Um, everyone has kind of a little bit different story um, as far as that goes. Um, I think at this point I would have to say, uh, exercise and kind of everyone has their thing to kind of make it all worth it. Right. Like I got to be here for some fun reason or whatever. It can't all be work, you know? So that's my go-to. It's my way of, uh, releasing all the negativity and, I probably my most favorite thing about mountain biking is just being in the woods. I'm a very uh, woodsy type of person grew up on a couple acres and always spent my time in the woods. So um, I'll do that any day over going out to a bar somewhere or doing whatever. If I have a chance to go be on my bike, I'll definitely choose that. So I think, I think that's my main reason I ride. Awesome. Love that. Yeah, great answer. So I guess then uh, any any uh, social media or websites that you want to plug, that would be awesome. 
Um, of course, my Monkey Lube website, which is just monkeylube.com, which is L-O-O-B.com, Monkey Lube. Uh, I'm on Facebook as well, um, as well as Instagram, just at Monkey Lube. So those are the main things I'll uh, put out there. Reggie's Bike Shop, of course. Everything Bikes. Um Yeah, that's about it. Perfect. Lindsay, thank you so much. It was great talking to you. Immediately. You too. Yeah, <laughs> you too. Yeah, it was you. super fun. <laughs> awesome. I'll send you guys pics. Send me trails, whatnot. I'll send you trails. That'd be awesome. Also, open invite. If you're ever in like New England, especially Massachusetts, like hit me up. Definitely show you some trails. We have a huge mountain biking community out here, group rides, like all that, whether it's winter, summers, whatever. Awesome. Good to know. Open invite to ride out here. I haven't been out east in a long time, but uh, I definitely look forward to it. I look forward to traveling out that way for sure. Awesome. I've been invited to different roller derby conventions out there. Maybe not Massachusetts exactly, but definitely going through or whatnot around the area. So I'll definitely let you know. Sick. I'll definitely see you out there on those trails. I know we always tend to get a few rides in. Oh yeah. Can't wait. <laughs> now with work schedule, I can ride so much more, so it'll be a good time. Nice. A great riding season. Yeah. Spring is here. So, so pumped. Heck yeah. Me too. <laughs> Hopefully we try and hit uh, DTE in a couple of weeks. I know there's a bunch of people just waiting to get out there. And I know they're trying to open. Uh, uh, I read early April. Uh, and they, it might even be further than that, further out than that. But hopefully, hopefully April. So if you're I down, would think so. I would think so. Because, I mean, Bright, Brighton Rec is pretty much ready. Yeah. And somebody else said Pontiac Lake was ready. So yeah, we got rain today or whatever, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I would say by next week, most things will be rideable. We haven't had a freeze in a while, so yeah. Well, we'll have a freeze this weekend. We will. It's yeah. gonna but it's not going to freeze the ground at this point. You know what no, I mean? Yeah, it's too thought out. So it might actually make everything rideable if you go at a certain time. You know, you go early enough and everything will be a little bit harder and rideable. Hard to say. Just got to try it. Brighton Rec or Island Lake are probably some of your two best bets in this area that dry out the fastest. I, I can't stand Brighton. I'm not, I am not a climbing guy. I mean, I will <laughs> climb. And I will complain the whole entire time, <laughs> uh, but I will make sure it gets done. Last time I rode Brighton, I looked at Whitney and I was like, I'm pretty sure that loop said uh, like seven miles and it turned out to be 10. And uh, it's the torn shirt trail yeah, torn or whatever. Trail. Yeah. I was miserable by the time I got back. I'm like, this is mile seven. Where is the exit for the trail? I'm super pissed. <laughs> I'm sure I'll be back there eventually. I'll be like, that's yeah. got some rough climbs, like some S yeah. climbs that you're just like, you really got to want it to like make it up it. Yeah. Got to lock that suspension out. Yeah. 
and has to be the right day. You could have been there on a crappy, slippery day or super wet day or, you know, like different days are a little bit easier. Well, I don't know. That was last year, so we had a lot of rain, so who knew? It's probably wet. Who yeah, knows? it was wet. Just go with that. It was wet. Terrible <laughs> yeah. conditions. My tires didn't climb anything. Spinning the whole time. <laughs> I was out. My chest was on the stem. It was crazy. I could not get that thing. Oh, maybe that's why I couldn't get the thing to to grip. <laughs> All, All right. right, that's a wrap. Yeah, man. Yeah. My old ass is ready for bed. Me yeah, too, man. I hear you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right, everyone. Yep. Thanks again. Thank you, Lindsay. Yep. yep. Thanks a lot. Thank you guys later. See ya. Bye.